Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello everyone, I'm Kerry Martin. Welcome back to another episode of Texas Ag Today. Thanks for joining me along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're covering agriculture from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The area of the state impacted by drought increased significantly over the past week. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. At the end of any crop season, even one as tough as this year's in the Texas High Plains, there's always some good news to go along with the bad. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. Sign up for CFAP 2 currently underway with the deadline fast approaching. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, here's Jessica Domel with news headlines. The area of Texas suffering from moderate or worse drought climbed 18 percentage points over the past week. That's the largest one-week increase in drought since December of 2010. According to the Texas Water Development Board, 75% of Texas is now under moderate or worse drought. More communities are also now impacted by extreme or exceptional drought, mainly in the Winter Garden area, West Texas, and Far West Texas. And it may be a while before we see some significant relief. La Nina weather conditions are expected to hang around until next spring. La Nina typically brings hotter and drier than normal weather patterns to the southern U.S., including Texas. The National Weather Service does not expect any drought relief through the end of January. More than half a million head of cattle were harvested in Texas in October, according to a new report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. That's down 41,000 head from October of 2019. The average live weight for beef cattle in Texas was 1,324 pounds in October. That's up 15 pounds from the same time last year. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service will host an online pesticide applicator program from 8.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. December 3rd. Five Texas Department of Agriculture CEUs are available. Cost is $20. A link to RSVP is available on today.agrilife.org. That is today.agrilife.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 2020 was a very challenging year for agriculture in the Texas Panhandle, with drought causing big losses for some farmers while others came out okay. James Hunt has more from Amarillo. We had numerous fields lost to drought. Many producers had wells go dry in the southwestern panhandle during the summer, and so it was just a very, very hard season. With much of our region getting only slightly more than half of normal precipitation this year, 2020 won't turn out to be a banner year, especially in that very hard-hit area Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell described. Still, as is true even in the worst seasons, we do hear encouraging reports here and there, such as this account from Dr. Bell's fellow AgriLife agronomist, 
agronomist Calvin Trussell. As you get to the northern area of the South Plains on into the Panhandle, I've seen a number of dryland sorghum fields that I thought looked pretty good in light of some of the conditions we've had. Trussell points out that many farmers began this season with the benefit of good soil moisture due to precipitation events late last year. Some harvest work remains, so no official totals yet, but if in the end our region winds up with anything approaching average production, that could be cause for celebration. In Amarillo, James Hunt for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Cotton harvest is now three quarters done in Texas. According to the latest Crop Progress and Condition Report released Monday afternoon, it shows 74% of the Texas cotton crop now out of the field. That is well ahead of the 60% five-year average pace. However, cotton condition ratings continue to look dismal. 5% of the crop rated excellent, 16% rated good, 33% rated fair, and 46% of the Texas cotton crop rated poor to very poor. Drought conditions continue to expand in the Texas coastal bend. Harvey Buring reports from Corpus Christi. Well, drought conditions are continuing to grow here in the coastal bend area. The National Weather Service predicts uh, expanding drought uh, throughout the fall and into the end of January before the possibility for some uh, significant rainfall. The area has gone 45 days without any significant rainfall, and the soil moisture is becoming marginal in many locations, particularly those west of Highway 77 and and west of I-69. The National Weather Service office in Corpus Christi indicated that as of the 15th of November, we were 10 inches below normal for uh, this year. And it doesn't look like there's a lot of chance for catching up between now and the end of the year. The lack of rainfall has had one positive aspect that has allowed our farmers to get caught up on land preparation a lot earlier this year without interruptions from rain in October and November. Land preparation is virtually completed, and now farmers have to make the decision of whether or not to apply pre-plant fertilizers with these growing soil moisture deficits. A number of coastal bend area cotton gins continue to be active. Uh, Many have completed, but a number of them are hoping to wrap up after Thanksgiving or uh, shortly after the uh, 1st of December this year. The Corpus Christi USDA Cotton Classing Office continues to receive bale samples from some 40 gins in the south and east Texas region, and they will remain active uh, throughout the end of the year and into the first of the year classifying cotton from this part of the state. Now, the Coastal Bend region is a rain-grown area, no irrigation of any significance in our part of the world, and the major crops are cotton and grain sorghum, It appears that uh, farmers are going to stick with their traditional cropping patterns going into the 2021 season with about 50% of their cultivated land devoted to cotton production and 50% to grain sorghum. Grain sorghum has been a bright spot, uh, good demand uh, for export shipments here uh, throughout uh, harvest and into the fall, and uh, the optimism about Growing grain sorghum for next year continues to run high. Now, cattle producers are facing some 
serious management decisions as pasture conditions become shorter and rapidly are deteriorating. Many producers are stockpiling hay and supplemental feeding is certainly underway here a bit earlier than most years. So cattle producers are beginning to pay close attention to their hay reserves that they have available for the fall and winter season. This is Harvey Beering reporting from the Coastal Bend area for Texas Ag Today. Sign up for the second round of the coronavirus food assistance program is still underway for Texas farmers and ranchers. Tom Nicoletti talks with a USDA official about that program. My guest today is Bill Northey, Farm Production and Conservation Undersecretary with the U.S. Department of Agriculture. We visited recently to discuss the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program for farmers and ranchers. First of all, we have a CFAP 2 that sign-up is going on right now, Coronavirus Food Assistance Program 2, and that goes until December 11th. So we need folks uh, to remember, not very long after uh, Thanksgiving here, uh, we will have the end of sign-up for CFAP 2. So CFAP 1 happened this summer. In response to coronavirus, kind of the impacts early, the CFAP 2 looks at the balance of this year. CFAP 1 was about $10 billion in payments to producers. CFAP 2, we just crossed over the $10 billion mark as well, and we expect it to go to as much as $14 billion in payments to producers. And I would say CFAP 2 should really encompass most every one of uh, the ag folks listening to you. It is very broad. It's nearly every commodity out there. It doesn't cover hay of production per se. It does cover alfalfa. It doesn't cover grazing, but it's nearly every livestock. It's nearly every other crop, specialty crops. We have ways of being able to capture some of those with 2019 revenue that they had um, in others of those uh, corn, soybeans, cotton, it would be uh, the acres that they have and their actual production history. Uh, we have that information in our offices. So the signups very easy for livestock. It's the inventory that they have um, as well. They get to pick a date uh, this summer and uh, they give us that inventory number and we have a payment that we make there too. So encourage folks to get into their, well, actually virtually get in, right? Come make a phone call to your FSA office or an email to the FSA office more information on farmers.gov. Top banner will be the CFAP program, but you can also find our other programs on farmers.gov as well. Once we get somebody signed up, the dollars are going out right away. So sometimes we'll have dollars out within a week uh, or two of, of that person being in the office. Um, we In CFAP 1, we paid a portion of the money. We came back with the balance of the portion once we figured out whether we we're going to make all the payments or not. For CFAP 2, you fill out, it says that you earned $12,000. We pay you a check for $12,000. Um, it has to go through our accounting systems and a couple approvals, um, but uh, often can be in your checking account within a week of a finishing sign-up. Those comments from Bill Northey at the U.S. Department of Agriculture. He is Farm Production and Conservation Undersecretary at USDA, who emphasizes that the deadline is December 11th to sign up for the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program Number 2. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Interested in bow fishing or bow hunting? 
The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has programs that can help you introduce these skills to others. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And there's a new drug that can treat environmental allergies in dogs. But there is some concern about the drug being related to cancer. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd tackles that issue coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There's a new drug on the market that has been a big help in treating environmental allergies in dogs, but there's also concern about this drug being related to cancer. Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look. Apoquil has become a very valuable tool in the treatment of skin allergies. However, there is a warning on the label that Apoquil may increase susceptibility to cancer and dogs on the drug should be monitored closely for cancer. The drug trial performed for drug approval found cancer in two out of the 152 dogs, while one case of cancer was found out of the 147 dogs in the control group, not taking Apoquil. So there was no significant difference in the number of cancer cases. A lot of the concern about Apoquil and cancer involves similar drugs used in humans, as some people using similar drugs have a higher incidence of certain tumors. Because of this concern, a study was performed in over 600 dogs with allergic dermatitis with half of the dogs taking Apoquil and the other half using different medication for allergies. Results indicated that dogs on Apoquil did not have an increased incidence of cancer compared to dogs not taking Apoquil. The difference between the human drugs and Apoquil for dogs may be that although the drugs are from the same family, Apoquil targets different receptors than the human drugs. Another study of 247 client-owned dogs revealed that the incidence of mast cell tumors in dogs that received Apoquil was no greater than the incidence in dogs that did not receive Apoquil. Certainly, Apoquil could lead to an increase in cancers in certain dogs, but studies did not confirm this, and all dogs on Apoquil should, of course, be monitored for skin masses. I believe the benefit of Apoquil to decrease itching in allergic dogs far outweighs the potential risk of tumor development considering these recent studies. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. If you're interested in bow fishing or bow hunting, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has programs that can help you introduce those skills to others. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. In addition to the Community Archery Program, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has other programs designed to help share archery skills with Texans of all ages. The Explore Bow Hunting and Explore Bow Fishing programs introduce bow hunting and bow fishing to new audiences through activities and discussion. Rob Owen, TPWD Outreach and Recruitment Manager, says the training provides instructors with a set of activities that expands beyond safety and into the skills needed to be a proficient hunter. The Archery Trade Association put together a curriculum book 
And it is full of 23 activities that take audiences through some of the finer hunting skills. There's plenty of things that a hunter picks up through years of experience or maybe mentorship through, through someone who's been hunting for a while that otherwise are foreign to them. The idea of putting on the right camouflage or getting your scent caught by your game species or tracking an animal that's been hit or choosing a location to hunt. These are all things that come with practice or experience. And this curriculum set is designed to provide activities that help introduce new hunters to those skills. That curriculum set is available through us. It is through the Archery Trade Association. And we are happy to host the training and connect anybody who wants to share that with an external audience. It really is a terrific entry to the sport. The program includes outlines for a leader to host hands-on activities that lower the barrier to entry to hunting sports. Details about the Explore Bow Hunting and Explore Bow Fishing programs and the other TPWD archery programs are available on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. Click on the tab that says Education and then Archery. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Well, the cattle market continued to climb higher on Wednesday, but the wheat market took quite a tumble. We'll take a look at all of Wednesday's closing livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. back looking at another lopsided matchup jim today we have a combine taking on a train yeah that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine no competition there right especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train that's 18 football fields it's no contest every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings see tracks think train this message brought to you by operation lifesaver We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It has been a very positive week for the cattle market. Wednesday was no exception. We continued to climb higher in both live and feeder cattle futures. We closed with December live cattle up 20 cents, 111.37. The February up 22, 114.17. April live cattle up 27, 117.42. January feeder cattle up $1.57 at 140.17. March feeders up $1.15, 139.27. April feeders up a dollar five at one forty forty. Cash fed cattle trade still fairly quiet. We did see some light sales up in Iowa, one ten on a live basis, one seventy two dress. That's steady with last week's trade. When you look down south, though, the Packers are bidding one eleven. That's a buck higher. Feedlot still not taking it. Hoping to get one twelve this week. And who knows, with the higher futures market and higher boxed beef, they may be able to get it on Friday. Speaking of boxed beef, price is higher once again Wednesday. Choice up 62 cents, 244.92. Select up $1.40, 221.11. Let's check a couple of feeder cattle auctions now. We'll go to Nixon, Texas. Nixon Livestock Commission selling this week 1,496 head. The trend was steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, $1.23 to $1.60. Three to four weights, a dollar twenty-seven to a dollar sixty-seven. Four to five hundred pounds steers, a dollar thirteen to a dollar fifty-six. Five to six weights, a dollar two to a dollar forty-four. Six to seven hundred pounders, ninety-seven to a dollar twenty-five. And the seven.
seven to eight hundred pound steers, ninety-five to a dollar nineteen a pound. Slaughter cows brought eighteen to fifty-five cents. Slaughter bulls sixty to eighty-four. Stocker cows four fifty to nine hundred a head. Had a few cow-calf pairs selling for eleven hundred dollars a pair. Live Oak Livestock Auction in Three Rivers, Texas, selling one thousand five hundred thirty-eight head. The trend steady to higher. Two to three weight steers a dollar twenty-eight to a dollar seventy-six. Three to four hundred pounders a dollar twenty-eight to a dollar seventy-two. Four to five weight steers a dollar twenty to a dollar sixty-four. Five to six hundred pounders a dollar fourteen to a dollar fifty-four a pound. Six to seven weight steers a dollar eight to a dollar thirty-six. With seven to eight hundred pounders ninety-four to a dollar twenty-eight. Slaughter cows 24 to 54 cents, slaughter bulls 62 to 80. Stocker cows 525 to 1025 a head, cow calf pairs 875 to 1100 dollars a pair. Let's jump back over to the futures market now where lean hogs closed higher on Wednesday, December up 87 cents, 6617. February up 92, 6767. Class 3 milk was mixed. November contract up 10 cents, 23.24, while December down 29 at 15.34 hundred weight. We saw a very light volume trade in both the cotton and grain markets on Wednesday heading into the Thanksgiving Day holiday. We ended up closing lower for cotton with the March contract down 62 points, 72.36. May cotton down 62, 73.21. We saw a big drop in the wheat market. Now that is somewhat typical. When you have a very light volume trade, most of the traders headed home for the holidays and that tends to leave the markets vulnerable to bigger price swings. We saw that in the wheat market for sure with December Kansas City wheat dropping 17 and a quarter, 540 43 and three quarters. New crop July wheat down 19 and three quarters, 560 and a half. Corn market closed lower. December corn down five and three quarters, 420 a bushel. In the energy markets, December natural gas up 10 cents, 287. January crude oil up 71 at 4562 a barrel. The financial markets mixed with the Dow Jones Industrial Average down 188 points, 29,857. The Nasdaq up 62, 12,098. The S&P 500 down 5, 3,629. Well, that wraps up our markets, and that wraps up yet another edition of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember, we'll be right here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'll see you then. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.